On today's episode, we have Sarah Zoldan. She's a love coach, founder of Love at Any Size, is a body positive and weight neutral love coach who helps single women struggling with negative body image and weight stigma in dating believe that they can find and experience love at their current size. Sarah's favorite sport growing up was sitting on the couch with a good book, and through her own fitness journey to becoming a CrossFit level one trainer, she discovered the world of body positivity and health at every size, which led her to the coaching she does today. She's a travel junkie, still loves a solid romance novel, and is always on the lookout for a good shoe sale. You can find her on Instagram at fine period love period at period any period size. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise, I can't wait for the listeners to learn about you and your online practice. So I would love to just dive in and have you share with the listeners where you started out and if you can compare where you started out with where you are now, specifically how your niche has evolved since you started out. Absolutely. Do you have a couple hours? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. I won't make you sit here for too long. So I actually started my business and my Instagram account right when I had gotten my CrossFit certification. I was actually focused on serving the Orthodox Jewish community. That's my background. And I had noticed through my own fitness journey that we really don't prioritize fitness. And so I said, if no one else is doing anything about it, I will. Because growing up, fitness had always been, exercise had always been about weight loss. And I realized that my weak, fat body is so incredible and so capable when I just give it a chance. And so for me, fitness really was about exploring what I can do versus how much weight I can lose. And so that's exactly what I wanted to bring to my community. The problem was that in terms of Instagram, no one knew what I did because I was so vocal about my experience as a plus size woman on the dating scene, constantly being rejected for my weight and my size. And I would throw in some fitness in there. People were like, I don't get it. What do you offer? Like I had super great engagement. I didn't have a huge following, but I was, you know, growing slowly, but surely. And I had amazing engagement for the numbers of, for the number of followers that I had, but no one knew what I did or what service I offered. Two things that really struck me about my fitness business was number one, anytime a single woman came to me for coaching, it was because she wanted to lose weight for dating. And the second thing that really struck me was the reason that I was so passionate about fitness and the reason that it was something that I wanted to share with others was because of the body positive energy behind it and because of what it gave to me. And it took me a while, but eventually it got to the point where I realized just because I came to body positivity and health at every size and intuitive eating through fitness, not everyone's journey is going to look the same as mine. And ultimately, it's not about how you move and how you exercise that I was trying to get across to people. It was really about this like building of confidence and getting comfortable with their body and believing, yes, they can find love at any size. And so I said, this is dumb. 
I don't want to be coaching fitness. I really want to be coaching love. And so once I had that clarity, which took me a really long time, it was just in the last year that I made that pivot. And that was after failing to open a studio. I had moved from California to New Jersey to open a studio. And I put in thousands of dollars, a ton of marketing. Every one of my efforts fell so flat. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Right now, I'm so grateful that that happened because I can't even imagine what I would be dealing with through COVID if I actually had a studio that I was paying rent on every month and paying for all of the utilities. And I, I just can't even picture it. And because I love what I'm doing now. So I'm super grateful that that transition happened. Definitely nothing like it looks when I started. And around that time was when I felt comfortable working with Libby. I'd actually spoken to her six months prior. And at that point I said, I'm not even clear on what my service is. So I don't want to pay you for this coaching program because I need to get that clarity first. And once I had that clarity, that's when I started working with her. And that's when my message got a lot more clear. And that's when my Instagram really started taking a different turn and starting a different kind of conversation or continuing the conversation I was having, but with much clearer direction. Oh, love it. Yeah. Embarking on this journey on social media is very much what you describe. People go in with one intention. Maybe it's an interest that they really had sparked from a certification or their own personal journey. And then oftentimes they run into that issue that you mentioned where people still don't know what you offer or what it right. is that you do, but you're really cool. You're really interesting. You know, you have something, but if you don't know how to communicate that it's often lost in the sauce right. and people are left like, what does she do? And right. I loved hearing <laughs> it. And I think it's really helpful for people to hear stories like yours to know that it's not going to be a cakewalk. It does take a little bit of soul searching, but oh, to yeah. hear you light up and talk about how you're so passionate about helping women build confidence and love their body so they can find love as they are. is just such a beautiful mission. I love it. Thank you. I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about those clients that you love to work with. So what is it that you try to do in your marketing to attract these clients in your current niche? follow the steps that Libby set out for us, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but I help, I think in a nutshell, the way I would describe it is I let my potential clients know what it is that I do and why it is that I do it. And I miss out the little bit of how I do it. That's what they pay me for. But I offer them value through that process. I let them know that Again, like I said, I'm going to sound super repetitive, but I let them know that they can find love at their current size. And I'll also talk about fears and limiting beliefs that are coming up with my clients that really resonate with the followers that I have. Sometimes it's something they're super aware of, and it's just really validating to hear that from other people. And sometimes it's something that they haven't even considered could actually be holding them back from finding love because it's just not something that they connected on their own. Yeah, definitely. It's so important that as a person who's running their business on social media, that you're really speaking to those fears, those limiting beliefs, what we often refer to as those pain points that are going to really like reel them in and get them exactly. hooked on your offer so you can show them how to address those fears and pains. And the funny thing is that going into this, I was pretty clear on what those pain points would be. And through the process, I realized 
Now, what I thought were the pain points are not actually the real pain points that most people are struggling with. And so that's been, it's such a cool learning experience for me. And the more I learn, the more I help my clients. And the more I help my clients, the more I share and the more I share, the more clients I get. It's just, it's one giant, it's a spiral. It's not even a circle because every time we're at a higher point, me and my clients and my followers are at a, you know, more elevated point than we were when we started. So. I love that. That's wonderful to hear. So a lot of times people would love to start their online business. They dream about it. So can you share with the listeners, have you always had this dream and what made you start and decide to take your business to the next level? Yeah. So I always knew that I was going to work for myself. I'm an entrepreneur at heart, have been like selling random stuff since I'm like six. And I knew that I wanted that freedom to work from home or to work from wherever actually, and to work on my own time, on my own schedule. So entrepreneurship for me, running my own business was never really a question. It was more a question of what. And I think that up until now, I've always been searching for that. And like I said, I was doing the fitness thing. I did have clients. I never got quite to where I wanted to get to with that. Like I said, the studio didn't happen, which I'm really happy about. And for me, it was just a matter of once I finally got clear on what it was that I wanted to do, it was like, okay, now I need the support for helping me make this happen. I don't know if you're familiar with the E-Myth or if anyone's listening, anyone who's listening to this, you should definitely read the E-Myth. But in terms of entrepreneurs, I'm very much a visionary entrepreneur. So I have this vision and I want to change the world and I want to help people and I want to create impact but I struggle with like the managerial stuff and I struggle with the systems and I struggle with putting everything in place that I need to do in order to make that vision become a reality. And so I look to others to help support me through, through my journey. And that was really why I made the decision to work with Libby and why I'm putting in the work now. Yeah. I find that it's so helpful when podcast guests are vulnerable like this, because it's, very helpful for people to recognize that as much as this may be scary, if you just take time to check in with yourself and essentially say like, what's my zone of genius? What can I focus on? And what can I outsource and have someone help me with? What's that weakness? That's like a really big step and to yes. making your dream a reality. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah. I mean, it's like you can try to figure it out yourself and reinvent the wheel and chug along or you can just like Go on, go on the speed ramp, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. And once you have been able to take that speed ramp, you've come to learn that a big part of being able to grow faster, make more sales, and really help people on a higher level really comes down to building no like, and trust. And a lot of people don't really know what that means per se. And essentially, it's how to get people to want to look at your content, like your content, and, and in essence, hire you. So can you share two tips to the listeners for how you effectively build no like and trust? Who? I think I kind of touched on this, but again, it's it's really addressing those pain points specifically. Being it's letting people know I see you, I hear you, you're not alone and there is a solution. It's the more clear I can be about what those pain points are and the more vocal I can be about talking about things that other people aren't necessarily talking about, the more it validates their experience and lets them know it's safe to reach out for help. It's safe to, you know, use my service. 
Uh, so that's one. And yeah. the other one, I don't know that I would have initially put it into this category of no like and trust, but the truth is it really does fall in is consistency. Because showing up every once in a blue moon is like, hey, this is cool. This is good. You are seen. And then you're not seen for like a month and a half. Sorry. You know what I mean? The more, And this is something that I personally struggle with because I see very clearly the two weeks that I'm consistent, my growth happens, there's engagement. And then the two weeks that I'm like, eh, in and out, things slow down. And that makes a lot of sense because it's like, we want someone here who we can trust will show up every day or, you know, as often as possible to connect with us. And so, yeah, I would say consistency. Yeah, you make such amazing points. And I totally love that you talked about making sure that people feel seen, heard, and that there is a solution. I love how you really tied it together and saying just validation, validation yeah. that their pain is real, validation by using the words that they use and all that stuff. And then just being consistent in that validation process really does help build no like, and trust. So thanks so much for sharing that. For sure. And being able to show up on social media is really tough for a lot of people, mostly because this idea of selling and making money and being your own boss is really complicated. And oftentimes there's a backstory to that. So can you share your money story? Like for example, if you struggled with sales and how your mindset has evolved or your beliefs around money with the listeners? Who this is a big one. <laughs> so actually, before I started working with Libby, I would say the three to six months before I had done some serious inner, inner work around money and the money stories that I have and the limiting beliefs that I had around money. And it was really interesting to me what I found. So first of all, I'm just going to put this out there. If you haven't yet read Get Rich Lucky Bitch and You Are a Badass at Making Money, it is, they are must reads, like must, life changing. Okay. So I grew up in a home where, thank God we had everything that we needed and more than we needed. And yet there was still always tension around the subject of money. There was always a feeling of less than. And I swore as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, that that would never happen to me. And then I found myself in a situation where I was kind of like perpetuating that reality, even though it was exactly what I didn't want. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on because my conscious mind does not want to be in this situation. And yet something's happening and I keep ending up in this situation where I'm struggling financially. I'm repeating the mistakes that I swore I would never make again. I don't really understand what's going on here. And I, like I said, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly seeking out information. How do I build a better business? How do I create a functioning business, a successful business that is financially profitable? And finally, after years of searching, I realized that I had a lot of stories that I was telling myself around money, including, well, let's put it this way. When I asked myself the question, why am I afraid of being rich or why am I afraid of making more money than I'm making out of nowhere? Like I'm not a woo woo person. And I'm just like, I, I like the idea of like journaling and asking yourself questions. And I do it a lot with my clients, but then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, but like, 
reality. We don't live in like a, a weird alternate universe anyway. But the, there were questions in the books that I was asking myself that really surprised me. And I realized that I felt guilty. I felt guilty having more money than the people around me. I felt shame. And that is totally as a result of my upbringing from a religious perspective. We grew up with this philosophy that like to suffer with less is put on a pedestal. And so it's not that rich people or wealthy people were necessarily looked down upon, but as a result of getting this message that to do, to do more with less is admirable, I kind of ended up with this like, oh, you know, rich people aren't as good as poor people or something like that. I'm using the terms very loosely. And so that was something that I had to work through. And then I was also dating my now husband at the time. And it was really interesting for me to see how differently we looked at money. And he left Israel on his own and came here pretty much starting a life from scratch. And he is a chef. He worked himself up. He was making a nice salary. And I just saw the way he like spent money. Like he treated himself well. He spent his money. And I remember finding like a wad of $100 bills in the car in like, what's that? Not the glove compartment, that like thingy that you pick up between the front seats. And I was shocked. I was like, how could you? Like, you have this incredible gift from God. He gave you more money than you need, which is a huge blessing. And you just leave it laying around in the car like that. And I took a minute to myself. I didn't say this to him. I noticed it and I took a minute to myself and I was like, wait, to him, it's a tool. Money is a tool to purchase what he needs to purchase, to have, to build for himself the life that he's seeking, to give, to help others. It's a tool. It's a piece of paper. Ultimately, I was the one who in my mind was making money into a God that it's not. And for me, that was like this huge mind blowing, like realization that I had combined with when we did have a money conversation, my husband essentially said at the time, my boyfriend essentially saying to me, like, money comes and goes, money flows. It's not like you have it. And if you use it, it's gone. You can use it today and get it back tomorrow in a different form. And that to me was like, oh, okay. It just, there were so many little bits and pieces that all happened at the same time that helped me realize I was making out money to be something so much bigger than it is. And so now I've like doubled down on my efforts to really increase my income and really live the life that I want without the shame, without the guilt that I honestly didn't think was there. And to just use money as a tool that flows in and out of my life. And yeah, I, I love that, that. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you answered it. You totally answered it because a lot of times when people take a moment to think about their money story they don't realize that they can really go down the rabbit hole and discover so many amazing insights. So man, I love the fact that you are so, so in tune with all the ways your life story has like led you to this point and the ways that you needed to work through it to get more clear. So you could really, really take yourself off this pedestal of you. If you suffer and you don't have a lot of money, like 
you're valued, like that's important. And like just removing yourself from that pedestal and saying, you know what, it's okay to have money. It's a tool and you can use it. And I think that framing is so important for a lot of people because I think a lot of people can relate with, oh, you got to do more with less, like penny pinching and really stretching everything and being like an extreme couponer. And like, that's kind of what they, they come to know. So you sharing that is so helpful and hopefully shifting the listener's perspective and allowing them a chance to dig deep into the the lies they tell themselves about money. Yeah. I want to, I want to actually add two more points. The one, and this is something I think it's in get rich lucky bitch where she talks about how, like when you're focused on manifesting money into your life, it happens. And the minute you shift that focus to something else, or you just don't focus on it for a minute, it kind of like comes to a grinding halt. Literally that happens. It's creepy. I don't understand it, but it happens. For me specifically, working through Libby's program, I would say the biggest thing that came up that I had to work on was sales. Because in the past, I had like dabbled in in MLMs and I had once had for a really short stint a sales position where like we were mistrained and given information to pass on to clients that was not true. So I literally lied and without knowing it and got people to buy things where they were totally ripped off. And like, to me, sales was just a sleazy term. It was dirty. It was, there was just so much like dirtiness around it. And so I had to like totally rework what sales is and learn to see it as me creating an opportunity for my clients. And it's one thing to say the words, but it's another thing to really go through the work and separate what those salespeople are doing to how I do sales. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's really important for people to recognize that the sales component doesn't need to be sleazy. It doesn't need to be slimy, especially since you like emphasize very early on, like this is about finding their biggest problem, telling them that they are capable of having an outcome, finding that ideal solution and you can do it. So essentially the sales is you saying, I can help you. It's really what it is, which is such a great reframe. Yeah, and the cool thing about everything I've learned through this program is that I now attract the clients that I want to work with. So I have an application form in order to get onto a discovery call, which I love because it, it weeds out most of the people who aren't ready to pay or who aren't ready to do the work. And then when I get on the call, they're already bought in. They just want to confirm that it's a good fit for them, which is exactly what the discovery call is about. And so it's not, it's not any of that like hard salesy stuff. It's just like, you already know me because I put out all of the content that I put out. Let's talk. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it is totally. And since we're on the topic of Instagram and being able to basically get leads and grow your business, can you share with the listeners how specifically use Instagram to grow your business? Like for example, walk us through your content creation process and how you are able to really create messages that really attract your ideal client on your graphics. Yeah. So you know that format that you see everyone using with like the two sides? I use it too. (laughs) No, no. I mean, yes, a little bit. But it's really just about the messaging. And so like we said, the pain points and the limiting beliefs and the emotions and the feelings and the experiences around whatever it is that you're struggling with, I take all of that and I put that into content. So whether it's an image as a post, a reel, 
And like the funny thing is I was staying away from reels because I don't like new technology. Like I just, just, I finally figured out Instagram. Don't throw another thing at me. That's why I didn't go on to TikTok and here we are with reels. And then I realized that Instagram wasn't promoting my, my engagement dropped and Instagram wasn't promoting my content apparently because there were no reels. So I started creating reels. My, in, my engagement shot right back up. My couple of my reels went viral and I was like, huh, this is fun. Um, so it's a little bit of like staying, staying with the game, even when I don't want to, it's showing up on my stories for a little bit more of a casual conversation or expanding on one of my posts. There's, I love the interactive like polls or questions, stuff like that, a whole lot of DMs. And it's, it's basically just showing up there, helping people, letting them know what I do and being available to work with them. Love that. Yeah. I think it's super important for people to understand like there's so many cool ways that you can interact. You can show up on stories. You can create a graphic. You can engage in the comments. You can engage in DMs. There's reels. There's IGTV. But I love that you're just saying that you're allowing yourself to be present and showing people that you can help them. And you can only yeah. do that by being visibly, like being visible very consistently, which is yeah. great, great, great tip. Yeah. And can you share with the listeners who are out there who like are, you know, probably struggling as well with new technology. Like for them, they're like, Instagram, I'm still on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and let them know, like, it's a journey. So it doesn't start off like looking picture perfect. You're just going to have to start kind of imperfectly a little bit. Can you share what your Instagram feed looked like before compared to what it looks like now? So they can be inspired to start and know that it's not going to be like, yeah. So the funny thing is my Instagram feed looked good before. <laughs> it was just a lot of pictures of me because um, it, like I said, it took me a while to figure out what I was offering. And so I realized that I was positioning myself more as a social influencer and talking about issues that needed to be addressed versus a coach with a service. And so my feed was, my feed was actually pretty fine and I did get a lot of engagement, but no conversion. With that said, once I started making that change, at the beginning, I wasn't totally clear on what their pain points were. I wasn't totally clear on exactly how the image should look and how many were how the graphics should look and how many words to put on and where to take off and where to add and all of that stuff like was totally it's still a work in progress and I'll be talking to a colleague of mine who's also an entrepreneur and she's like, "Oh my gosh, you're so good at this." And I'm like, I feel like I'm still figuring it out. Every day I'm learning more. And yeah, it's just, you, you got to start because if you don't start, then that consistency doesn't happen. If you're constantly waiting for the, and I will still spend an hour on a post every once in a while, but yeah, just get out the imperfect stuff because with that, you will learn, you'll get the feedback you need in order to create the quote unquote more perfect stuff. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Thanks for that. That's super helpful because a lot of times people need that push and that nudge. So I hope you guys are really listening to Sarah and taking that advice to just start imperfectly. So just a few more questions. I would love for you to share with the listeners how the dietitian boss method has empowered you. If you could provide an example, that would be awesome. Oh, there's direction. There's hope. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Like I was able to confidently tell my husband before we were married. So we were engaged and I was like, I think that we, we had like 
we had a really short engagement. So, so I'm like, we went from boyfriend to husband to engagement on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> whatever, from boyfriend to fiance to husband. But I was like, I want to make 15K by April 2021 a month. And see, here's where money stories are so different. Like anyone who I knew from before would have been like, that's so cool. Let us know when you, when you get there, you know, like genuinely supportive, but not actually necessarily believing. And he was like, okay, that's good. You're going to have to start thinking about a new goal as we get closer. And I was like, all right, I like it. But that wasn't the question. The question was, how has this empowered me? Really just that belief. Like I have a system. I know it works. I see it works. I know that the more consistent I am, don't get me wrong. I have like a long way to go, both in terms of like continuing to learn about my audience and how to speak to them and showing up consistently. But I just feel like there's hope. Finally. Love that. That's super, super great. And it's, it's so important for people to have that reminder because oftentimes people think it's just off in the distance, very unattainable, but being able to have that and really feel it and be empowered by it is so inspiring to hear. Yeah. So what's next in your business? Since we were just talking about it, I would love for the listeners to get the inside scoop. We'll hear it from you first reporting. Actually, literally, because I haven't shared this with anyone yet. But by the time they hear about it, it all <laughs> been out there. So you're getting the early scoop. But I am actually working on it's been a dream of mine for a while now to transition to a group small group coaching. I really stuck with the one-on-one -on -one for as long as I have to, again, get more familiar with my ideal client's pain points and be able to make sure that I'm actually serving them in the best way that I can. But I know that a small group coaching program would be, would add an element for them that is so empowering and just having that supportive community and like their own group of cheerleaders. And then from a financial perspective, from a business perspective, it's obviously a lot more lucrative. So that is something that I'm working on right now, putting that course together. And I actually have a five-day challenge scheduled for the beginning of February. And then I plan to sell into the course right around Valentine's Day because it sucks to be single on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so yeah. I know I've been there for many years. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Woohoo! I love it. Glad to hear. Can't wait to hear about how that goes. We'll definitely have to do a follow-up interview to touch base <laughs> with you. Sounds good. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the episode. And as a reminder, you can find Sarah on Instagram at find period love period at period any period size. Thank you so much. Can I add one more thing before you step up? Of course. Up yeah. <laughs> Go Just for to it. make things simpler for y'all, if you are interested in that five-day free challenge, simpler than all those dots and periods, just go to loveatanysize.com. Boom. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at libbyrothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.